Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, featuring interviews this week with Lauren Muller and Molly McCann, is brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing, a clean-designed MMA clothing brand that bucks the trend of MMA clothes that look like tattoo sleeves, and they are excited to announce their new Kickstarter campaign for their newest product, the Black Belt Bag. If you're sick of smelly bags that carry your stuff to the gym, the Black Belt Bag is made of ghee material, so it's easy to clean, and it shows off your love for jujitsu. Check it out and be one of the first to get one in either blue, black, or white at blackbeltbags.com, and check out the whole line at humanweapon.com use promo code flow for 15% off human weapon clothing brings you this episode of top turtle mma podcast and it starts right now this is david dan with top turtle mma on flowcombat.com and we have the pleasure of speaking to lauren muller who is the only woman to get a contract coming off the dana white contender series and we're patiently awaiting her UFC debut. So, Lauren, let's talk a little bit about the experience of being on the Dana White Contender Series. You get in on short notice. Uh, you know, you, you've had almost a whole year off since the last time you fought. What was your thought process going into that fight? Oh, absolutely. You know, I took a year to myself to just train and um, get all the tools that I needed, you know, within that year. Um, I knew I just needed a solid, a good fight um, to get myself noticed. Um, I knew how hard I was training, and of course, I just, you know, I knew I needed to get that one fight to um, just really show what I was made of. But yeah, I got um, the call for contenders, and I was ecstatic. And you know, I got, I went out there, and I, I fought my heart out, and I felt like I did a really good job. And getting away, obviously, felt I did good, and gave me the contract. Yeah, so let, let's talk about filling in those holes, too, because I'm always so interested because lots of fighters have a tough time seeing their own weaknesses. Uh, what, what sort of were the, the holes that you felt like you needed to fill in before you were ready for this kind of jump? Um, honestly, I just needed to take time to myself to just, um, just as an athlete, you know, to absorb everything as a mixed martial artist. Um, I feel like I was really well-rounded, but there's so much to learn in this sport, and I felt like I was going through a lot of changes in life. There was a lot of different things happening, and I needed to take a good solid year to just reground myself and to learn as much as I could. I, I definitely had um, fight opportunities coming to me, and it just wasn't the right timing for me personally. So I just knew. I was like, okay, I want to take a solid year. I'm at Alliance now. I want to get to know these coaches. I want to train as hard as I can, show them what I'm made of. Um, and then when the right opportunity comes up, which was the contender that I felt, um, then, you know, I, I took that shot. Yeah, and, and so, you, you know, you talked about taking a uh, year away. Uh, you feel like you, you mm -hmm. got uh, the best view that you could possibly get. Now, do you feel like after just that one time out, do you feel like that performance was a good representation of your abilities or what should we kind of expect next time we see Lauren Muller in the cage? You know, I feel uh, with the circumstances of it kind of being last minute by my cardio not being so great. Um, I did what I had to do to win that fight, but what everyone saw, that's not the complete fighter that I am. Um, I have a lot of different tools that I can pull from. Um, so for my next fight, you, you guys can definitely um, expect to see a much more vicious, 
uh, well-rounded fight for sure. Yeah, well, and I, I think obviously, you know, you spoke to it by saying, you know, the circumstances taking the fight on really short notice. Uh, and on top of that, too, their, uh, the output you had was just absolutely incredible. It seemed like the fight never slowed down. Um, let's let's talk about when that, that next time will come up, because we talked to Tatiana Suarez last week about how tough it is to get booked being a woman in the UFC, uh, where they don't seem to fill out the divisions as much as some of the men's division. Ha- have you been looking for a fight since you've been on the show, and kind of uh, how close are we to seeing you back in there? Um, honestly, I wanted to get back in there as soon as possible, um, staying in shape, staying in the gym, staying active. Um, but... I'm hoping in the next few months to maybe have something that's being talked about in the works, um, but, you know, nothing's, like, guaranteed right now. So hopefully in the next couple months, you guys will definitely see me fight again. Awesome. So in, in during your fight, the announcers seemed to hint that you were probably going to move to 125 pounds after the fight. Is that the plan for you, or are you thinking back to 35 where you were on the show? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I was signed to flyweight, so that's the division that I'll be in. Um, you know, anything can happen, of course, in the sport, but for right now, that's the division I'm in. So so that actually opens a whole bunch of other questions, too, because obviously the Ultimate Fighter 26 is going on right now. We're gonna, They're going to crown the champion of what is now your division. Have you been watching the show, and, and what do you sort of think of all of these potential opponents that you're watching? Absolutely. I actually tried out for Tough, and I went through the whole process, made it all the way to the very end. Um, so I I got to see all these girls, meet them, uh, work side by side with them. And then they made me a replacement person, and I didn't end up actually making that last final you know cut to get on mm-hmm. the show. But yeah, I've been watching them every Wednesday, watching how they fight. Uh, yeah, so I definitely think whoever whoever gets crowned, like they're definitely going to be on the radar. That's for sure. Yeah, and and is it more of like a enjoying it from the perspective of you know you're a fight fan, you see girls that you might know fighting, or is it more from the perspective of I've got to dissect this because these are girls I'm going to have to beat the shit out at some point. Oh, I'm definitely dissecting them. I was dissecting them from the minute um, I went out to Vegas for the tryout. Um, I definitely have a lot of confidence in you know, in my own abilities. But, yeah, every time they're on TV and I'm watching, you know, I'm watching exactly what they're made of. Because um, they are. They're going to be my competition in this division. Yeah, and, and do you – so watching it, do you have one or two that you think are favorites to walk out of the show with that belt? That are the favorites to yeah. walk out? Yeah. Uh, um, I'm thinking it's either going to be Barb mm-hmm. or um, – Maybe Rachel. I just watched her last night, and she actually looked very well rounded. I was very impressed with um, with her uh, fight style. Yeah, and the the judo game of hers was uh, on full display last night for sure. Um, one kind of fa- yeah. final question about the the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, you know. The Strawweights did a very similar thing. 115-pounders had a show to crown their very first champion. But if you look now in the UFC, of the top 15, only six of them are still in the rankings, and the other nine don't come from the show. Do you, do you kind of expect something similar where most of the challengers are coming from elsewhere with your division, or do you think you know the best of the best is what we're seeing? Um, no, I don't think the best of the best is what you guys are seeing on that show. I think there's a lot of girls um, that haven't been seen yet or 
that have, like me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I just can't wait to get in there and to show more of what I'm made up because, you know, like we discussed in the contenders, it's kind of a last-minute fight. I had to improvise for, you know, in that moment on how I needed to win. But there's a lot more to me and a lot more you guys are going to see. So I'm pretty excited about it. Awesome. And I always sort of have to ask this when we end a conversation because usually we're talking to somebody who's got a fight coming up and we talk predictions and stuff like that. Obviously, we don't have a fight coming up for you, but do we have uh, maybe a name or two on the tip of your tongue that you'd like to see across the cage from you when you do debut? You know, honestly, anybody at this point is a new division. There's so much going on with Tuff and you know, I'm, I'm just trying to pay attention to what girls from that show are going to be, um, you know, signed to the division. I don't really know how all of that's going to work yet. But, I mean, anybody that is a challenge, I want them in front of me because, you know, going in, I'm probably going to be the underdog here for a while, and I want to just climb the ranks and show what I'm made up so I can get that title fight. And we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, that's Lauren Muller, who has recently signed a contract with the Ultimate Fighting Championship coming off her win on the Dana White Contender Series. Lauren, we wish you the best of luck whenever that fight does get booked. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA's podcast on flowcombat.com and we have the pleasure of talking to meatball molly mccann who fights priscilla d'souza at cage warriors 88 in liverpool this weekend uh molly we're going to get into talking a little bit about your fight and breaking down your career in a bit uh but first i gotta ask where did you get the nickname meatball you know what this is a question um every single person i speak to asks so i'm surprised people don't it's not out there but when I was at university, I used to have the job, um, obviously, to get by because you don't have much money when you're a student. And I worked in Subway. And when I used to turn up to training, my coach used to say, oh, my God, Molly, you smell of meatballs. <laughs> so meatball Molly kind of stuck just from there, really. Oh, I absolutely love that. That's even better than I could have hoped for. Um, I know some some people think, some people go, with it because you, you've got a big head or... Um, if your body's just a big ball, like a round ball of like half piece, and I'm like, no, I generally just used to used to a uh, self foot long stuff, didn't me. <laughs> That's great. All right, so uh, on the fighting, uh, the Ultimate Fighter 26 is on right now. It's your weight class. The UFC Indeed. has added it for the very Indeed. first time. Are Are you watching it? Mm-hmm. And what do you think of it so far? Oh, do you know what? I was asked if I wanted to go on it, and I wanted to win a world title on Cage Warriors before going into the UFC. That was the goal since the start of MMA. So the, it was like bittersweet for me to say, no, I don't want to want to go on tough. Um, the amount of messages I've been sent, like Molly, you would have absolutely cleaned up on this season of The Ultimate Fighter. It's hard. It's hard to listen to, but... Um, yeah, I really, I have been, I've watched it this week. Obviously, it's like, kind of wake up week for me now so I've got a lot more spare time on my hands and I've watched I've watched the first three episodes mm. and I haven't been too impressed if I'm being honest with you. I haven't been too impressed with it. But um when the divisions finally open and they sign a few flyweights from different organisations and from around the world, I'm sure the 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 roster will be pumped mm. up a little bit more and, and the 
I don't know, it just seems a little bit boring at the minute. That's all for me. Yeah. Yeah, and we actually talked to Lauren Muller, who uh, is a 125-pounder that the UFC just signed to to kind of fill out the division, about that idea. And and the same thing sort of happened when the 115-pounders came to the UFC for the first time. There were all these girls on the show, but the, the really the best ones came from other places. You feel like it's going to take other organizations in order to fill this out? The best are not on that show? Well, I mean, it's one of them, isn't it? Like people who had the money to fly to Vegas and to train, that's the pick of what they're going with. They're not going with the best in the world because, like, some people just couldn't get there. Do you know what I mean? Or mm. um, The ultimate fight is just about making the, the fans touch base with, with some of the roster that's going to be there for the women when they start the new division. Do you know what I mean? But I don't see this being as monumental as what it was when Carl Esparza fought um, Rose Namajunas. I mean, when when my series was on, I was like, oh my God, I can make 150. I should have gone on it. And I, I watched it religiously and I was really into it. But this time, it's just, I don't know if it's because the coaching staff's a little bit more laid back and there's no, there's no arguments between them or it's kind of just like, Everyone's nice and nice, and, and all the girls seem absolutely lovely. There's no controversy at the minute, and I suppose that's when you're watching and it's an entertainment program. When you're watching that kind of thing, that's what you're after. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just a little bit dull at the minute, but the fights haven't been outstanding because the the girls who are on it are most of them are still quite young in the in the in the career. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're still learning also so if you, if you understand that's what you're going to be watching then it's fine but to someone who's not as educated in fighting they might not have the time for it yeah and that makes a lot of sense too to me and now so you, you yeah. talked kind of about how you feel like you've got the path to go to the UFC shortly after you know you, you had a chance to be on this show you're clearly in contacts yeah. with the UFC or the UFC is clearly interested in the Molly McCann uh, business but you said mm-hmm. you, you do want to win a title first at Cage Warriors. So do you think that there are two or three or four more fights left for you at Cage Warriors before you wind up making that switch? Or how soon are you um, ready to make this switch? So I was asked if the UFC came to you after this next fight to ask you to fight for them, would you go to them? And I'd still say no. Like the My next fight after this win against Priscilla will most probably be for a world title mm. because... Anyone I've fought as a professional athlete has not been English. They've not been British. They've been from France, um, Wales, Brazil, America. And I've just, I've just never fought um, an English person. So I don't see why I shouldn't get a go at their title. Their title's vacant, vacant at the minute. Um, in my city where I'm from, it's, it's it's massive talk that I deserve the title and anyone who's kind of watched me fight knows that I leave it all in there. And, um, I'm not saying she's a called Kali Kianrad, but she was a previous, she signed for Invicta now, but she, and she fought Tony Levenger for the Bantamweight World title on Invicta, but she was a world champion on Cage Warriors with just seven fights. So I'm ready. Like, if you look at my last two, three fights, the people I've been fighting have had 20 plus bouts. So I'm not too fussed against anyone who I get in there with. I, mm. I think, and I know that I run on a on a totally higher level than what they do. I operate on a on a higher level than what they do. So 
throw me in with anyone means I don't care. I'm still going to beat them up. Yeah, and you, and you kind of said that too about you. You mentioned you fought a lot of veterans. Priscilla D'Souza has got 20 fights, uh, and and you yeah. think that one of the biggest things that helps get you through that is your pressure and is your your hard work ethic. Well, I, I think my style of fighting is um, it's pressure. You're right. It's I'm I'm looking to the finish every time I get in there, and. Um, and I think I don't see many other women like that who fight like that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you look at someone like Holly Holm, she's still very much like a counter fighter and a weight on the back foot. I think that I, I'd say, and someone I'd like to, to be spoke about in the same sentence, is someone kind of like Cyborg, mm-hmm. um, where I think <clears throat> my last four fights, I had a lot of personal tragedy going on outside the cage. And... Um, I still managed to get finishes in those fights. And this has been the first fight camp where I've not had to work. I've just trained full-time. Mm-hmm. And I've had a team of sports scientists, sports nutritionists, strength and conditioning coaches. And I've got my own team now. And uh, and you can really tell in, in my training and my sparring and my recovery, in, in my physique and how much my body's changed. Like, that last fight against Lacey Shuckman was the the toughest fight you could find on two weeks' notice, do you know what I mean? And that's something like not someone would normally have eight eight to six weeks training for mm-hmm. to get ready and I and I took the fight on two weeks' notice and um and and I took a, a veteran three rounds and, and I got put in some compromising situations and got straight back up and she's kinda of like I'm a I'm a striker and she's the creme de la creme of um of grappling really and she took me down and I got up and dealt with it and, and I nearly finished it quite a few times in that fight but this fight camp I, I'm playing at a whole other level and I know that this this girl hasn't got a chance to stay with me and, and I know moving forward after I've got this this bit of the experience again no one else is probably going to have much cost everyone I'm looking to finish this girl inside the first three minutes like I generally can't see it getting out of that Okay, so th- that actually was going to lead me to my last question. So we love uh, kind of touching on uh, uh, prediction at the end of all of our interviews, mm-hmm. but I also know you're a, a Toffee supporter, uh, Everton, for those of Indeed. you who don't follow English football. Um, I'm sitting here wearing yeah. my, my Wayne Rooney jersey as I do this interview. Uh, by the time... Oh, really? Yes. Is, I, hang got, on, is, it, is I, it an England one, a Man United or an Everton one? It's an Everton one. It's an old school Everton one. Oh, thank one. God. Yeah. Thanks. So uh, I, I've got that on while I'm doing this interview. So by the time this reaches the airwaves, they'll be prepping for Leicester City on Sunday. Uh, let's get a double prediction. Yep. What do we see on Saturday for you, and what do we see on Sunday for Everton? Oh, so this is the thing. Every time I fight on a Saturday, Everton lose on the Sunday. Oh, no. Um, so, no, seriously. So I am praying for the win. Um, we've had a tough, tough few games the past few weeks, and um, oh God, Leicester away. I'm going with me first round finish, um, TKO, and I'm going Everton two nil. To win, Everton to win two nil. I'll be going the game as well. Awesome! I'll, I love I'll it. be hungover celebrating from my fight, and I'll be um, getting on the bus with our hands paws, and then I'll be going, and then. Um, I go to France to watch the Europa Cup game in Lyon on the Wednesday. Oh, nice. We're playing on Thursday after, so 
nice little, a, a few days off, go and enjoy some alcohol, go enjoy some football and some drinks and then get straight back to work because I think the next fight will be in February. I'm actually going to Detroit um, to train with Amanda Bobby Cooper for their upcoming fight on UFC 218 and she's fighting Angela Magana so I'm going over to Detroit to be a, a, a training partner for that so it's not much time off I'll have a week to recover then get straight back to it. Enough to watch a little bit of football before you uh, you get back to work. Well, that's exactly that's awesome, and uh, I I hope you're right on both accounts of the TKO in the first and the two nothing victory. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Molly McMahon uh, fights Priscilla D'Souza at Cage Warriors 88 in Liverpool on Saturday. Make sure you tune in for that on UFC Fight Pass. Molly, thank you so much for the time. No problem, mate. Thanks for the interview. You know, like what that girl said about, you know, rather winning the cage title than, than going on top. And, you know, it brought me back to thinking of uh, that flyweight uh, season. All those girls went through the house. Uh, Carla Esparza won in December. And then three months later, J.J. took the title and has been dominant ever since. But J.J. didn't have to go through that house. And look at her. Yeah. So to me, you know, if you can avoid the tough house, uh, smart move, right? Yeah, well, and, and, and if you think about all of the girls who are, like, the toughest in that 115, excuse the pun, the toughest in that 115 division, you know, like, if you ask me to name the top five, I might have one on that show, right? Like, Jessica Andrade Rose. is up there. Yeah, Rose. But you have Jessica Andrade, you have Claudia Gedalia, uh, you have Carolina Kowalkiewicz, uh, you know, you, you and, and obviously Joanna Champion. So, like, of your top five, what, you got maybe one girl off that show, and it's not even the one who won it. Yeah, I'm I'm totally right there with you, man. I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but who, what's a recent tough winner that's gone on to become, a, you know, a perennial main eventer, superstar, champion? Can you name one? I mean, it uh, depends on whether or not you count Robert Whitaker as a recent champ. When was that Smash's season? Oh Jesus, man! You uh, we got to go to the intern on that one. Uh, well, hold on, the Smash, but he was that was also at one seventy, or was he competing at middleweight on the Smashes? Um, again, we're gonna, have, we're gonna have to go to the intern on that one. So, uh, the intern says the Ultimate Fighter Smashes that he won, uh, released in twenty twelve. So I would say maybe not recent. Would we maybe say that's a dude? Yeah, in MMA, I mean. Five six years ago yeah. is just That's three generations ago. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm looking right now at the the page. It was a welterweight tournament, so not even his current uh, current weight status. And if you look at his bracket of the eight people in his bracket, other than him, I would say the only name of real value there is Brad Scott. Um, so, yeah, so, so a, a pretty sad so season. A- I, I'm going to bottom line this for people out there, aspiring fighters, their managers. Unless you're in a situation like our girl Roxy, where she had the first run and didn't have the greatest showing at 135 in the tough house, wanted to redeem herself, hey, they're putting a belt on the line, then it makes sense to go through tough. It's an, not an easy path to a title, but it's an alternate path to a title where you don't have to reel off seven wins in a row over the course of three years. But if you're just on a standard tough, uh, what what's the point now of going on a standard tough? You're better off coming in, working your way up, 
getting a couple of highlight reel KOs, and before you know it, for as star-hungry as they are, you know, you'll be right there. Avoid the tough outs. I, I agree with you, and I'm, I'm just looking at the list of winners now that you mentioned that, and I see Jesse Taylor, Tim Elliott, uh, Tatiana Suarez, who hasn't really gotten a chance to do much yet because of all the things we talked to her about last week, Andrew Sanchez, Ryan Hall, uh, Kamara yeah. Usman, I'd say is um, probably um, the good. only legit one. I mean, and then you're all the way back to Carlos Esparza at that point. Well, let me ask you something. I don't want to get too into the weeds on this, Gumby, but what's Usman's record in the UFC? Kamara Usman. Let's let's bring in the intern. Uh, Kamara Usman, since joining the UFC, is 5-0. and 6-0. Okay. So, he's 6-0, and he's ranked like 12th at welterweight, I want to say. And who's to say? I mean, I don't. I, the point I wanted to make is actually right there. I don't think him winning tough made him a household name because he's no. still not a household uh, yeah, name. Yeah, I would say of the people in that welterweight division who are like the hot up-and-comers, he's probably the least known, right? Like Santiago Ponzinibbio, more of a well-known name. Uh, Mike Perry. Mike Perry, more of a well-known name. Now Darren Till, way more of a well-known name. So he could have saved himself six weeks of being away from his friends, family, and regular training partners. And partner. he's gone and knocked still the, gone on the Yeah. Still gone on the 5-0 run. Anyway, I'm done with this topic. Fuck tough. What else did you want to talk about? Uh, let's talk a little bit about Darren Till since we mentioned that. What a fucking performance that was. Uh, yeah, it was a good performance. I mean, Cowboy, you know, eh, what's Cowboy's on a three-fight losing streak right now, if I'm not mistaken. We've seen this before where if you get to him, he's a slow starter. He crumbles in the first round. Perfect outcome for the UFC, in my opinion. I almost think they set it up this way. I think they knew they had a budding star until I think they knew Cowboys somewhat. Not, I don't want to say on his way out, but uh, it was a perfect scenario to build an up-and-coming fighter. Obviously, I still want to see him against more competition. Cowboy, you know, he had an off night. Let's face it. I don't think we really got the best version of Cowboy that night. Yeah, and it, it's tough to say that he's on a three-fight losing streak, too, because while it's, uh, you know, it's factually true, if we think about, you know, who he's lost those fights to it's not to slouches you know what i mean like i mean he lost to darren till who by all accounts now is the next best thing in the division uh he lost before that to robbie lawler who you know was a champion and he lost to jorge masvidal so like can we really write him off at that probably not but at the same time you're right it, it was the perfect outcome for the ufc Darren Till is the the new star they need, and and the fact that he like cut a promo with Mike Perry immediately afterwards, uh, I mean, I think only makes it better. Yeah, I, I agree. I love the promo with Mike Perry. You're building up two budding stars. Uh, obviously, as you pointed out to me when we were talking about it off air, uh, Perry still needs to get to, through Santiago Ponzinibbio. No easy task there. But you basically, even so. Fine, Till could face Ponzinibbio. You have three budding stars right there, all in the mix at 170, all exciting fucking fighters. But I do want to go back to for a second on Cowboy. I can write Cowboy off now, right? He couldn't win the title at 155. He moved to 170, looked very good against some of the more, you know, the bottom of the bottom 20 at uh, welterweight. And then as he got into the top echelon of welterweight, he started losing. It's not a shock to me. I can safely say, barring some crazy injuries or like a last-minute replacement, something unforeseen, Cowboy is never going to be a champion at the in the UFC. Would you agree with that? 
I would agree with that pretty much almost 100%. The only thing that's stopping me from locking in 100% is I also said that Michael Bisping would never be a champion. Right. And, and I mean, weird shit happens at weird parts. In the, you know, right now, looking at that welterweight division and looking at that, that lightweight division, it, it's the biggest, the two biggest divisions filled with the two biggest killers. There's no way he could crack even the top five in either of those two right now. And let's not forget the best welterweight in the world isn't even in UFC, but if Rory McDonald was there, I mean, look, I'm not picking Cowboy Cerrone over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I'm not picking him over uh, the champ Tyron Woodley. I'm not picking him over Jorge Masvidal. And guess what? I'm not picking him over Rafael Dos Anjos or Robbie Lawler. Why? He's already I, lost to both of them. I wouldn't pick him over either of the two people who are fighting this weekend, Colby Covington or Demian Maia. I take both of them right now. Yeah, uh, I I think Maya would pro- probably strangle him. Uh, Covington, wet interesting. Blanket. That would wet be blanket an, style. Yeah, wet, he'd probably wet blanket him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it, it's weird to say that about Cowboy Cerrone too, because I I feel like just before the Masvidal fight, we were pretty much ready to crown him the 170 pound champion, and just before the the Masvidal fight, bef- the two fights before that. We were ready to crown him the 115-pound champion. So, like, it's weird that in just three fights we've gone from saying he could win in either of these two divisions to saying he's not top seven in either of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take issue with one thing you said there. I was never ready to crown him the 170-pound champion. I was, however, on the Cowboy 155 hype train as he reeled off seven wins in a row to that RDA title shot. Yeah, I just think, but, but when he first came up to 170, you remember he first came up to 170, uh, his first fight was against um, Alex Oliveira. He triangle-choked him. Right after that, he put a performance of the night finish on Patrick Cote. Then he put a performance of the night finish on Rick Story with, like, that 12-punch combo Good that combo, yeah. put Rick Story away. And then he head-kicked Matt Brown out. So, like, after those four fights, maybe maybe not ready to crown him the champion, but ready to say, like, the dude's damn fucking close to a title shot. It was, yeah, you know, he was close. He was in the mix, and especially with his name. But, again, once he got into that upper echelon, the perennial yeah. top five, you know, and Matt Brown, don't get me wrong, tough as hell, love the guy, but eh. Yeah, you, you look back at that win now, and you're like, not so much, but back then it seemed bigger. Yeah. Um, so I would like to talk about this weekend because we have Lyoto Machida returning. And yeah, that Loy- actually makes me excited. Loyola Machida off of, uh, two years. So before we get to that breakdown, I just want to remind the listeners that this fight preview is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Sisu makes the lightest yet toughest mouthguard on the market. You can remold the things like a dozen times and it still works just like new. Plus it allows you to talk, breathe, and drink all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. Head to sisuguard.com. That's S-I-S-U guard.com and get the one that's right for you. So yeah, we got Machida coming off of uh, a two-year steroid suspension, uh, and he's—I think the matchup is perfect too. You know, like thinking back to to who they picked to have him fight back. Like they, he could have come back and fought somebody like Vitor, and I would not have been even remotely interested in that fight. Uh, and instead, they found an exciting person in, that I think can bring the action to him, and in, in Derek Brunson. Absolutely, and I think you're going to see fireworks in one way or the other. I don't know what Machito will look like off the two-year layoff. 
But I agree with you that I think they're setting themselves up for a stand-and-bang performance with someone getting knocked out. Yeah, and I, I think, too, what makes... So, I, just for the record, I'm leaning Machida on this one. Even with two years off, even being fucking 39 years old or however old he is, I'm still leaning towards picking him because Brunson's... I th- think Brunson's stand-up style leads itself to Machida's stand-up style because Machida's such a good counter-striker. He moves angles really well. He hits you when you get frustrated and rush in. And if there's anything Brunson does a lot, it's just he's frustratedly runs in. Sure, absolutely. I, I think you're right on the money with that. Now, the fight card itself is absolutely horrific, boring, bad fight card, two thumbs down for me. Would, but what would, you, say, would you say better or worse than uh, Cerrone Till's fight card? Uh, I would say about the... So, because at least you had Carolina on that fight card, and I think she's a contender. You know, she already lost uh, her chance at the 115-pound title, but she's right there, reels off a couple more wins in a row. You have a Misha Tate situation where she maybe gets a rematch, or not a rematch, but her second chance at the title. So at least you had Carolina there. Who else on this card is even in a title mix? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess you could argue Demian Maya or Colby Covington might be. I mean, I think that welterweight just got so stacked that the idea of Maya getting back to a title shot feels kind of like it's never going to happen. And with all of these exciting hands coming through the 170 division right now, it feels like Covington doesn't have a chance either, even though he's been dominant, right? Like He's not the style of fighter they like for title shots. And I'll say one other thing with Maya. I think Dana White has been burned twice now on Damian Maia title performances, oh, yeah. and I just don't think it'll ever happen again. People Anderson forget about Silva that first fight. one and how fucking bad yeah. it was. The first one was atrocious, dude. Atrocious. <laughs> and the Woodley one was fucking atrocious. And, you know, takes two to tango. Part of that was Woodley as well. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I think Damian Maia could reel off another seven wins in a row and you'd still need a last-minute injury for them to give in and say, okay, we'll give him a title shot again. I, I think the same about Covington. As much as I believe he is a future title challenger, I can't see him beating Damian Maya and then say, like, even if he wet-blanketed somebody like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson right afterwards, Damian Maya, Wonderboy Thompson, I still think they wind up giving the title shot to somebody like Mike Perry or somebody like Darren Till off of lesser wins than Colby Covington. Because think about Colby Covington fighting Tyrone Woodley. It's not exciting. It's the fight business, and that is where the business end comes into it. So why don't you give our adoring public and listeners, what are the other fights to watch out for on this card? Well, I I like John Lineker in pretty much every single fight he's ever been in. And I I think the prospect he's fighting here in Marlon Vera is really exciting. Marlon Vera was getting beat by Brad Pickett, and he came back with a head kick knockout on him. And then he followed that up with an absolutely sweet transition to an armbar on uh, Brian Kelleher, who is no slouch in his own right. So uh, that one's really exciting to me. Also, you get in a Rob Font fight, which is cool. Uh, Rob fight, fought, fight fighting Pedro Munoz. Uh, Jim Miller's fighting. Jim Miller's fighting Francisco Trinaldo. And uh, shoe face, Antonio Carlos Jr.'s on the card. So, I mean, like, a couple of fighters I like, but none that are, like you said, nothing that's going to going to tickle the title picture so to speak yeah tickle the title picture i really like that uh <laughs> so do you have any other strong prediction you want to give 
Uh, I, I'm going to say Maya gets beat by Colby Covington. Uh, most Mostly just because I don't think he's got the wrestling to beat Colby Covington in that, those regards. And Covington isn't going to get subbed with Maya on his back. So, to me... Covington holds every advantage of that fight, and it, it's kind of crazy to think that I'm picking against Demi and Maya, uh, but I am. So yeah. I'm going to say Machida that... and Covington, um, and, and I like Rob Font in just about every fight, so I'll, I'll throw out an extra play in there. Uh, always pick Rob Font. Well, the idea of Covington upsetting Maya is very exciting, so I will admit that you just predicting that made me a little more excited to see the fight well, it's, now. It, it's interesting that you said that, though, because I looked up the odds this morning, and Covington is going in as a favorite, not an underdog. Oh, what, what's the line on that? Uh, I think the last time I saw it is Covington's going in at about negative 150 to negative 160, depending on what book you're looking at. And Maya's coming in at plus 130, which is not a huge underdog. It's you know it's pretty much as minimal yeah. as you're going to get. But but it's interesting to see that the bookmakers are thinking the same thing. The bookmakers are thinking that Colby Covington's going to wet blanket him. Yeah, very interesting. That is interesting. So, listen, let's face it. The UFC, putting together the worst pay-per-view lineups in the history of their promotion. Buy rates down across the board. No fight cards moving anyone's needle. Joe Rogan just said on his podcast that MSG is not selling well. MSG! GSP's return, not selling well. It is a dead period for the UFC ever since William Morris Endeavors bought it, especially their first full year with it. It's been bad. Let's face it. This is the most boring the UFC has been since the emergence of Tito, Chuck, and Randy, which is why I love our next segment on the podcast so much. Gumby, why don't you give our listeners who had a good weekend outside the bubble of the UFC, who are some future fight stars people should keep an ear out for or keep an eye out for. So let's let's start with number three this week's uh Flow future fight stars, and remember that if you want to nominate somebody for it, you can hashtag Flow FFS. Hit us up on Twitter. That's at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, number three this week, I'm going to go with Sean Brady from uh, Cage Fury Fighting Championships. Uh, he picked up a submission over Mike Jones. It was a title defense at 170 pounds, and he had a rear naked choke. Cage Fury Fighting Champion keeps churning out dudes who are like ready for the UFC, and I think Sean Brady is one of them. He's seven and zero and only twenty four, and he's finishing people like crazy. Nice. So the the number two one we're gonna go with his name is Sidney Wheeler. He was featured on Valor uh, Fights forty five, which was on Flow Combat. So if you've got your Flow subscription, you'll be able to check that out, and you can go check out the replay if you want. He picked up a decision win over Robert Hale. I always thought this kid was super close to a UFC contract, and I think he's only like twenty years old. He was supposed to fight Joe Diesel Riggs a while ago, uh, and Riggs dropped out of the fight like last second. And I think the win over Riggs probably would have put him in the UFC. The last second step in was Gerald Mearshart, who is just wrecking it in the UFC. I think he's two or three and one in the UFC, uh, and he finished him. And it, it really set Wheeler back a little bit. Uh, and then he had like a vicious car accident like four weeks ago uh, that I think almost like killed him. And in, in, this is his first fight back from it, and he looked damn good, so it's good to see him back in the win column. Amen to that. And the uh, the last one we're going to go with, we're going to go back to the 125-pound women's division, like the two ladies we spoke to this morning, or this uh, earlier on the show. We had we had Ariane Lipsky from uh, KSW, which is the promotion over in Poland, uh, except this card was in Ireland. 
So KSW40, she picked up a submission over Mariana Moraes. Uh, I'm not sure she'll come over because it seems like all the people in that KSW promotion seem to be super happy with how they're paying them in there. Maybe there's some sort of uh, mob connection or something I don't know about. Uh, but they seem super pumped to stay in KSW. She could be a UFC contender at 125 pounds. I think she'd beat a lot of the girls on the show. Uh, she's only 23 years old. She had an eight-fight win streak, and she picked up a rear naked choke this weekend. So she's definitely one to keep an eye on. Wow, I like it. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the same point, which is KSW seems to pay their fighters well. So it's sort of unfortunate that she's an up-and-coming prospect, and we'd love to see her in the newly created 125-pound uh, female division for the UFC, but that might just never happen. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Especially since, like, that promotion works out of Poland. They just had a show in Poland. They signed a couple of people, but, like, you know, there were so many more they could have signed. Hey, so tweet at the show, at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, give us your future fight stars. What's the hashtag they should use, Gumby? Hashtag FlowFFS. That's F-L-O-F-F-S. And that's for fight stars future this fight coming stars. weekend. Yeah, future fight stars this coming weekend. If you got someone you think had a bona fide dynamite performance and someone we should keep our eye on, tweet at the show. This has been Top Turtle MMA Podcast. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening.